0: If you have signed up to be a part of the outreach, please follow the instructions in this, uh, this uh, flyer. Uh, mandatory meeting for all volunteers on Friday at 6.30, and on uh, Friday we're going to be in here at 10 a.m., and everyone arrives on uh, Saturday at 8 a.m. wearing red. So I didn't want to read this to you, but it's all right there. So if you've been a part of it, or you'd still like to sign up and become a volunteer, you can certainly do that. Matthew chapter 5, page 1116, if you're using a Bible under the seat in front of you. Two little verses this morning, verses 31 through 32, but two very controversial verses. Father, I ask your blessing as we consider what you have for us this morning. Thank you that you're not afraid of the messy situations in life. Lord, I'm so grateful that you speak truth about these things. I pray, Lord, that you would Speak to each one of us and convict, if need be, and comfort, if need be. Bless this time in Jesus' name. Amen. So powerful words from Jesus himself to us this morning concerning marriage, divorce, and remarriage. Look what Jesus says in verse 31. He says, furthermore, it has been said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that whoever divorces his wife for any reason except sexual immorality causes her to commit adultery And whoever marries a woman who is divorced commits adultery. Wow. Jesus wasn't one to hide from controversy, was he? You know, there are some subjects that preachers tend to shy away from because they're too awkward, they make people too uncomfortable. Not Jesus. Jesus spoke very plainly about controversial things. And we've already seen that here in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus said it's possible to commit the sin of murder in your heart with a sinful anger and hatred and bitterness towards someone. Or it's possible to commit the sin of adultery in your heart by lusting for someone in your heart. And now, here Jesus speaks of divorce... Marriage, remarriage, very controversial topics in those days. And still very, very controversial in our day, including in the church. Somebody said to me the other day, Boy, you've been tackling some difficult issues on Sunday morning, haven't you? Yeah, that's sort of what you get when you study a sermon from Jesus. And I'm glad he speaks... Truth. So, what is Jesus saying about marriage and divorce? Well, first understand that when Jesus first spoke these words, the whole establishment of marriage was being ripped apart. Marriage had become something that was trivialized, divorce was rampant. In the Greek culture, marriage had been completely stripped of its sacredness. People were being divorced whenever at any cause or reason. Women were seen as objects. The Greek men would marry and divorce. Many of the women would remember years in their lives by what husband they had during that time. One Greek philosopher speaking for Many males in his day said, we have mistresses for the sake of pleasure, we have concubines for the sake of daily cohabitation, and we have wives for the purpose of having children legitimately and having a faithful guardian for all of our household affairs. The Roman culture started off with a very high standard when it came to marriage, but the Grecian culture impacted the Romans. And in the days of Jesus, the Romans were exactly the same way. And in the days of Jesus, the Jewish people were becoming more lax concerning marriage and divorce. In the days of Jesus, there was a huge debate over what Moses meant in the law of Moses. In fact, Jesus is speaking of that in verse 31. He says, Furthermore, it has been said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. There was a big debate over that, and I'd like to just sort of put up the actual law and what the debate was in those days. The law said when a man takes a wife, marries her, and it happens that she finds no favor in his eyes because he's found some uncleanness in her and writes... Her certificate of divorce puts it in her hand and sends her out of the house. So the debate was what makes a wife unclean in a marriage? What gives a husband the right to divorce? What's finding some uncleanness in her? Well, that was a big debate. And one rabbinical school of thought came from this famous conservative rabbi, his name was Shammai, and his interpretation of uncleanness was sexual immorality, adultery, the only exception for divorce. Then there was another rabbinical school of thought, famous liberal rabbi by the name of Hillel, and his interpretation was that uncleanness could refer to anything that might displease the husband. So, if she burnt his toast in the morning, that could be considered uncleanness. If she was caught walking around with her hair down, that was uncleanness. If she spoke to men in the streets, that could be uncleanness. If she spoke in a disrespectful way of his parents... That could be uncleanness. Now think about that, ladies. One wrong word about your mother-in-law could send you packing, right? Rabbi Akiba, who was of the school of thought, went even further. And saying that the phrase becomes displeasing to him meant that a man could divorce his wife if he found a woman who was more beautiful. So, question, which which uh, interpretation do you think was most popular with the guys? Well, a lot of them, not all of them. Based on that interpretation, many marriages were resulting in divorce for the most trivial of reasons. So, against that background, understand, when Jesus spoke these words... The very structure of marriage and family life was collapsing. Something that I believe is happening right now today in our society. The United States has the sixth highest divorce rate in the world. 50% of all marriages in the United States end in divorce or separation. Break that down a little. 41% of all first marriages end in divorce. 60% of second marriages end in divorce. 73% of third marriages end in divorce. So the more you try... Worse you do. And of course, many couples today just abandon marriage completely and choose to cohabitate. A recent stat at Pew Research found that 84% of adults in America find living together outside of marriage to be perfectly acceptable. Let's face it, let's just be honest. Nobody really takes marriage seriously anymore. Not in this culture. Can you think of any TV show or movie or sitcom that presents a traditional marriage and family in a positive light? There are not many. People don't take it seriously. Well, Jesus takes marriage seriously. Look what he said about it right here in this verse. And as kingdom people, as believers and followers in Jesus Christ, we need to take marriage seriously as well. In fact, we know that Jesus believed Marriage to be a permanent, sacred bond between one man and one woman. Till death do they part. And we know that because in Matthew chapter 19, Jesus is asked a question about this whole thing with the law. The Pharisees came to him, testing him, saying to him, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for just any reason? Now, do you see Hillel in that? Jesus, tell us what you think about the debate. Are you with Hillel or are you with Shammai? I love how Jesus responded. He answered and said to them, Have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female? And said, For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So then, they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate that. Now, I love Jesus says, I'm not with Shammai, I'm not with Hillel. Don't put me in your little silly theological debates. Jesus said, I'm with my heavenly father at the beginning when he created the human race and established the marriage relationship. I'm with what the father says about marriage. And you know, God is the one that came up with marriage. He gets to define it. Don't you think? Look what Jesus said. Have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them what? Male and female. How many genders? Can you guys count? One, two. In the eyes of God there are two genders and I would argue that you could See that as well biologically? For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. In the eyes of God, the only legitimate marriage is a Lifelong marital bond between one man and one woman. Now I know that we live in a society that's redefining marriage. And you know there's a new gender being invented every day. But let's just be clear and honest with what the scripture says. With what Christ said with what was established in the beginning. And I don't know, you can call me crazy, but I, I like the idea that he came up with. I like a man and a woman, a grandfather and a grandmother, a husband and a wife, a mom and a dad, a son and a daughter, A grandson and a granddaughter. I think that's a pretty cool idea. Do you realize that that right there is the foundational building block of society? God built everything on that family unit. Now, I know that I will be accused of hating anybody that thinks differently. The church will be accused of that. The Bible's a hate speech book or whatever. Listen, we don't hate anyone, but that doesn't mean we need to celebrate, affirm, and demand things that go directly against the Word of God. And by the way, People are free to choose whatever they want to choose. God's been letting people choose whatever they want since the Garden of Eden. He created us with free will. But the biblical, what God wants, is marriage and family like he has defined. And please notice how important a marriage relationship is. If you're married here this morning, it's the most important relationship in your life. In God's view, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So then, they are no longer two, but one flesh. The marriage relationship is more important than any other relationship. It's more important than a relationship that you would have with your parents or with your children or with friends. The marriage relationship is the most special relationship. In a marriage relationship, two become one. The husband and wife fit together perfectly. Physically, sexually, emotionally, Mentally. Spiritually. And in the eyes of God. Those two. Become one. Do you understand how important marriage is? Do you understand the miracle of what takes place in a marriage? Jesus says. Therefore. What God has joined together. Let not man separate there is no place for divorce there is not to be a divorce in fact it's interesting Jesus is asked about divorce it's like he ignored the question and he talked about marriage marriage is to be permanent in fact, in Malachi chapter 2, verse 16, we read, The Lord God of Israel says that he hates divorce. Careful. Doesn't say that he hates people who are divorced. But he hates divorce. And you know why? Because it is so destructive. It is so destructive. It destroys to become one, I always think of that as two pieces of paper glued together. Now, that can be separated, but when, there, when that happens, there are rips. There are scars. There is destruction. Some people talk about, well, we got a real good divorce. Even what you might call a good divorce has a terrible impact on kids. Terrible. Every one of us in this room has probably been touched by divorce in some way. My brother went through a a very difficult divorce and he's still, there's still issues. Divorce is ugly. Divorce is, it hurts. Many, many people that I know who have been through divorce have come and said to me, Terry, I completely understand why God says in his word that he hates divorce. Because it is devastating. When Kim and I were in premaritals, we were given this wonderful word of advice. Never even utter the D word. Don't even bring that up. Your marriage relationship is to be permanent. It's a lifelong commitment. You know, I, I do a lot of wedding ceremonies and I take couples through their vows. I take you to heaven to hold from this day forth till death do you part. I'm always tempted at that part to exaggerate that. Till death. 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 Let it echo. But I don't. I think that would be tacky. But gang. This is God's standard for marriage. There are boys and girls that grow up and become men and women. And a man and a woman enters into a lifelong bond together called marriage that is never to be broken. That's the standard. Now, of course, we know that there is a lot of messiness in life. And that standard is not met. And there is a lot of divorce. So, what did Jesus say about divorce? Well, look what he said. Verse 32 I say to you that whoever divorces his wife for any reason except sexual immorality causes her to commit adultery. So, don't think of this as Jesus siding with Rabbi Shammai. Think of this as Jesus confirming that Rabbi Shammai had the right interpretation. The only reason that a marriage can end in divorce among Christians, I'll add, would be because of adultery, because of sexual immorality. Adultery can break the marriage covenant. Infidelity within the marriage can result in what some have called a biblically acceptable divorce. But it doesn't have to end a marriage. It doesn't have to. So this conversation that's taking place in, in chapter 19. Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? And then Jesus speaks about The importance of marriage. Well, the conversation continues. So they said to him, Why then did Moses command to give a certificate of divorce and to put her away? Jesus responds to that. He said to them, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, permitted you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning, it was not so. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality and marries another, just as it says in the Sermon on the Mount. There's two words I'd like you to see. They asked him, why did Moses command? Jesus corrected them. Jesus said, Moses never commanded. Moses permitted. That's difference. If adultery takes place in a marriage... You're not commanded to divorce, but you're permitted. It's allowable. Marriage is so important that even if sexual immorality takes place, it can be saved. And it can be brought back together. And I believe that even in the case of sexual immorality and adultery, there can be reconciliation. And I believe God's highest for any marriage would be reconciliation. Now, I have dealt, folks, with couples who go through this in the church quite often. It is devastating, it is hard. But I have seen God do miracles. And save marriages. It's a long haul. It's a lot of hard work. But God can certainly do that. And I would add if this is a situation in a marriage, I think it's a very important thing to talk about is this serial adultery? Or is it one act? In a moment of weakness. I think that's a valid question. I think that's a valid question to answer. Again, one act, one innocent act is devastating to a marriage, no doubt. And that will be very hard. But if if you're married to somebody who's going to sow his wild oats and drag you along for it. Perhaps maybe you should let him do that. All right. Divorce is permissible only in the case of adultery. Now in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, and I'm just going to have to read this to you, Paul brings up another situation. This would be a situation when Uh, a believer and a non-believer are married and let me just read this to you but to the rest I say not the Lord if any brother has a wife who does not believe and she's willing to live with him let him not divorce her and a woman who has a husband who does not believe if he is willing to live with her let her not divorce him For the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean, but now they are holy. So, stay with me. If you have a marriage between a Christian and a non Christian, so let's say maybe you got married when you were unbelievers, but one of you got saved later on. Now you have a Christian and a non Christian. You are to stay together. If the non-believer wants to stay with you, that marriage is to stay together. The Christian wife or the Christian husband should be fully on board with it. And that would be a good thing because the Christian wife or the Christian husband would still have a good Christian influence on it. But look at verse 15. But if the unbeliever departs, let him depart. A brother or a sister is not under bondage in such cases, but God has called us to peace. So follow this. If you're in a marriage where one's Christian, one's non-Christian, you're supposed to stay together unless the unbeliever departs. Let them depart. A divorce in that situation... Would be allowable according to scripture. Now a lot of people believe that that specifically refers to abandonment in the family. The non-believing husband abandons the family. I and others take this to mean any type of destructive behavior in a marriage is departing. The marriage. Big time destructive behavior. For instance. If a husband. Physically abuses his wife and children. Beats them up. And it's a consistent thing. Even if it's not. Even if it's a one time thing. There's a man. Departing his marriage. Showing that he will not live in a marriage the way that he should. Or, let's say a Christian wife. Let's pick on the wife this time, okay? Or a non-believing wife has a drug problem. She's bombed all the time. Bringing such destruction to the family. That woman has departed the marriage. And I believe in cases like that, there has to be an immediate separation. Immediate. And that the person who is having those issues needs to be helped. And every effort should make be made to, to help that person change. But if that person doesn't change, they've departed, let them depart. I believe a divorce would be allowable. Now, there have been times where... I've dealt with Christian marriages where both husband and wife claim to be Christian and this kind of garbage is happening. Or some guy claims to be a Christian but he's beating up his wife and kids. Does that sound like a Christian? Or some lady claims to be a Christian but she's bombed on drugs all day long and destroying the family financially and every Does that sound like a Christian? I believe in a case like that, there must be immediate separation. And the church should get involved. And there should be counseling. And there should be some kind of an effort to help that person. But the Bible also teaches that if somebody won't repent, though they claim to be Christian, they can be treated just like a non-believer. In which case, I believe 1 Corinthians chapter 7 would apply so in my view of scripture and marriage is absolutely sacred but in the case of adultery and I would call for serial adultery a physical abuse a destructive behavior except for that everything in a marriage should be strived to keep together and Jesus says something very Obvious here, very strong. I say to you, whoever divorces his wife for any reason except sexual immorality causes her to commit adultery. And whoever marries a woman who's divorced commits adultery. So if you get divorced for any reason other than the ones we've talked about, whoa. That's... in. It results in adultery. So gang, I mean, these things called irreconcilable, irreconcilable differences. and Well, I just fell out of love. As if love is a pit that you fall into, right? I just fell out of love. My feelings have stopped. I don't like the person anymore. He doesn't give me goosebumps anymore. No, that's wrong. You are to stay married and work out those things. You know, a lot of people think that a a successful Christian marriage is a conflict free marriage. There's no such thing as a conflict free marriage. You have two sinners living together under the same roof. There's going to be conflict. There's going to be issues. Every now and then I'll hear a couple say, We've never fought. Then one of you has never truly spoken their mind. (laughs) Now you're to do everything you can possibly do to save your marriage, to work on your marriage. Is there life after divorce? Can divorce be forgiven? You know, the church has a long, sordid history with this whole concept. There have been many in the church that see divorced people in a very shameful way with the stigma attached to them. I mean... Some churches say if you've ever been divorced, then you can never remarry again. Some churches have said if you've ever been divorced, then you could never serve as a leader or a pastor. I mean, a lot of divorced people are treated as the second rate Christians. They're shamed. Many of you who have been divorced, I know you feel that way. And then a lot of the times the discussion around divorce with with Christians, it becomes so complex as as everything tries to get put together. When I went through a, a, a marriage counseling class, man, when we were dealing with this issue, it was like one of these big flow charts that was more complicated than when I was a double E, an engineer working on circuits, you know. When they were divorced, were both partners Christians? If so, go this way. Then go. Th- Was it a mixed marriage? Well, so go this way. Were they non-believers? If so, go this way. And I know a lot of people are are are, are meaning well and wanting to do exactly what God has called. But I believe that divorce is forgivable. I believe there's only one unforgivable sin. And I believe the one unforgivable sin is blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, which is rejecting what Christ has done for you at the cross. If you were divorced before you became a Christian... I think there's a brand new start when you give your life to Christ. If you were divorced in a biblical way, whether you were married to a non-believer or believer, and you were the believer the non-believer, or you were part of a Christian marriage, there's there's forgiveness. You you get to move on. If you're a Christian and you were divorced in a non-biblical way, There are consequences for that. And there should absolutely be an extended period of time. Where you would be healed. Where you would be restored. Would you would demonstrate that if you got married again. That you can do marriage right. I do believe. That there can be forgiveness and restoration. I believe that Jesus can do amazing things. I'm always reminded of that story in John chapter 4 where Jesus went out of his way to meet that Samaritan woman at the well. He went out of his way to meet the Samaritan woman at the well. During the conversation, Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. And the woman said, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you have well said, I have no husband. For you've had five husbands. And the one whom you now have is not your husband. Can you think of a more messy domestic life? Jesus went out of his way to meet that woman. Heal her. Give her hope. And Jesus will meet us in our mess. Wherever you might be in life, turn your heart over to Christ Jesus and start to do things right now. Start afresh now. Come to Christ now. Repent if you need to. God can and will restore, but if you're going to play games, and God knows who's playing games, there's going to be destruction in your life. If you're single, if you're dating, Please, pray hard and think through your relationships. It is a lot more than romance. And it's a lot more than, hey, you look good, I look good. You look for compatibility spiritually. You find someone who is mature in their walk with the Lord and let that be attractive to you. Let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes. Lord, thank you for meeting us. Thank you for telling us the truth. And yet, Lord, thank you also for the grace that you pour out upon us. And Lord, that there can be absolute... Healing and restoration and brand new starts. Lord, my prayer would be that you would protect those marriages right here in this fellowship, in your church. Protect these marriages. Lord, I pray that there would be true uh, forgiveness experienced here. Maybe you're you've blown it. You've blown it in marriage. Maybe you felt like that stigmatized Christian, that second rate Christian. Let let God heal you. Now you do things right, and you ask for the power of the Holy Spirit to help continue to do things right but let there be healing maybe you're here this morning and you've never received christ as your lord and savior you've never opened your heart to him you're not a christian you're not a born-again christian I would invite you right now to place your faith and trust in him. A true Christian marriage is a a husband and wife and Jesus right there helping them. And as you walk with him and together as a couple, you walk with him. It's strong. You need to receive Christ. If you haven't done so, then I invite you to pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, be my Savior. Give me a brand new start. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Thank you for paying the price for my sins. Heal me, strengthen me. Fill me with your spirit and help me to do life the way you've commanded. In Jesus' name, amen.